HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Well, we made it. Another summer. We got past Tales of the Cocktail. I didn't get too sunburned. I mean, I did. I still did. I mean, walking from the the L train over to Roberta's, I got sunburned. But I did pretty good. A lot of people that that were there with me. I'm very proud of a lot of my friends. It was a very fun time. Tells the cocktail. Another one in the books. Good time. Coming back to New York. Still summer. And, I mean, you know, after so many cocktails down in New Orleans, it's, you know, it's time time to... Kick back and relax with a, a frosty beer. And the person I have in the studio is no real stranger to Heritage Radio Network, although this is his first time on the show today. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris Paula. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Damon? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, buddy. Chris, we've been, uh, we have gotten to work together for the past few months uh, at. Our new bar, yep, at Grand Army, Grand in Army downtown bar. Brooklyn, yep. And you are doing the beer program, that's right, there, as well as Mile End, which you've been doing. I've been doing for a couple of years, mm-hmm. yeah. And well, I mean, like that's that's some pretty good practice, man. Getting to like like eat some smoked meat sandwiches and and crack some beers, <laughs> yeah, not bad. I've been training. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've yeah I've I've, I've transitioned from smoked meat to uh, oysters. <laughs> Well, you it's know, not a bad transition. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> Eventually, I think we all do that. I think. Well, I, you know, probably you could probably go both ways. You know, like for the rest of your life and be very happy. I, I, if I could just eat those two things, I would love it. But my girlfriend would kill me. <laughs> but I, you know, just got to treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that we, uh, well, we've been bonding a lot over beer and cider. Yep. Um, and also the fact that you're from Texas and I'm from Oklahoma. That's right. But we don't let that get between us. No, not at all. I'm you're our, our, our friendly neighbor to the north, <laughs> a little more subdued. It's sort of like America and Canada, 
I think. Hey, don't go there. All right. <laughs> okay. <I know. laughs> I'm kidding. That's a conflict I've recognized at Milan for a while, too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, dude, I mean, like, for those uh, who haven't heard you on Jimmy Carbone's show on Beer Sessions, yeah. um, what, tell yeah. us a little bit about how you got into this. All right. I mean, you're, you're a heavy, heavy, heavily into uh, the beer world. Yeah. I, it was sort of by accident, but... Um, I've, I've lived in New York for about eight years, um, and I moved here with no intention of working in the service industry. But uh, I've always loved beer from a pretty young age, sneaking my dad's shiners out of the fridge, you know, all that. But uh, yeah, I fell into a couple of jobs uh, about five or six years ago. I was opening staff at Double Windsor in a, in a Windsor Terrace. My buddy Greg Curley opened that bar. Uh, he was my boss at, at Cake Shop before that. I worked at the music venue in the Lower East Side, just making coffee. But uh, that was my first kind of entrance into it and kind of fell in love with the more esoteric, esoteric aspects of beer. And from that, was at a manager at Beercraft in Park Slope, which sadly just left us. Uh, and that was my true kind of training on, you know, the more technical aspects of beer and, like, dealing with draft lines and all the all the nitty-gritty of it and just lifting kegs all the time and working uh, out <laughs> working out yep um it's like the service industry exercise program but yeah i ran the uh beer tastings there so i i was always fascinated by the educational aspect of the industry i i was an art historian in college and so i have always had a strong interest in the history of everything but especially the history of something that could make me money so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and from there I uh, ended up as GM at Mile End um, with the intention of establishing a pretty strong, um, adventurous, esoteric beer program. And from there, I, you know, ended up at Grand Army. Yeah, man. Through uh, Noah Burnhamoff, who owns Mile End, and also Grand Army. Yeah, man. We're glad to have you there. Yeah, man. Dude, did you? Um so you started out uh, making coffees at Cake Shop. Yeah. So does any, like, when I first started making coffees, I, it, 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 that was also never my intention, mm-hmm. but it was something that I, when I started messing around with uh, espresso drinks and, and, you know, steaming milk and pouring the right shots and doing all this, and, like, the way you actually have to, like, make rosettes and, you know, oh, yeah. layer the, the milk and, like... There's a whole crazy science to that, that that to me goes right along with like cocktails Absolutely. and with making beer as well. Yeah. Even like the way like you were talking about how the technicalities of setting up draft lines. I think a lot of people just think that you like plug and play, man, and no. that's not the way it is. I mean, it's it's rather simple science, you know, the way draft beer works. It's uh but it's also very mysterious for those who don't know the you know how co2 operates and how beer functions as a liquid and uh my my boss at beercraft ben granger who's uh he's the the coolest diy dude i think in this city um put us through very rigorous training on on that specifically like this is how beer works this is what happens when beer comes out of a faucet and, uh, you know, here's how we can save this beer, you know, from going down the drain and, you know, wasting money and all that. But, but, but more than that, just like, this is what this beverage means and this is how it works. And as soon as you understand the science of it, then it opens up a whole new world of, 
understanding different styles of beer and how they work with their carbonation and their you know their, how viscous they are the alcohol contents and all that so beer is i mean it's crazy stuff it is crazy stuff and it's 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 very old you it's know very old it's the oldest it's the oldest thing so i i i kind of love that and i'm my mission my my personal mission is always just to expand my my mind with with history uh, and yeah i mean like always well it's a fun word to say but reinheitsgebot oh yeah reinheitsgebot yeah 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 i also i should say if you want to talk about my what first turned me on to beer i studied german in high school and okay. uh i went on a trip to germany when i was 15 and i i didn't i wasn't a crazy kid in high school i didn't really drink that much but uh our german teacher was definitely uh you know an enabler and definitely turned awesome. turned the other way as far as his groups that went to germany and uh <laughs> there was just one moment when we first got there we're uh, hanging out in a suburb of bonn which is right next to cologne the native beer being kolsch uh we had a wooden like a gravity cask it's a traditional pouring method for kolsch and other german beers and yeah i drank uh I don't know, two or three of those little, those little dainty Kolsch glasses and point two glass. Yeah. And I got real tipsy and I was just lying (laughs) on a, on, on a, on a back lawn full of like little tiny white flowers that grow in that part of that part of the world. And it was, I I just thought it was the best thing ever, but I can still remember how that Kolsch tasted. I do not remember what brewery it came from, though. <laughs> it was definitely something that you can't get here, though. Kolsch is one of those things that just is never right in America because it's never fresh enough. Yeah, it has to be like when you go to the like the Kolsch houses, like they they like basically just like run around in circles with trays full yeah. of Kolsches that yeah, they're pouring, you, and like they just you just uh, they mark your ticket. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like oysters or sushi, you know. You yeah, a little ticket. Like dim sum? Dim sum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like dim sum. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's my, that's sort of my, that's, I mean, that's sort of my stock answer, but I think it's also, it's true. It's a, you know, you, when you eat something or drink something, there's an emotional, historical trigger, you know, from yeah. your childhood or whatever. Um, and that's definitely it for me. You it's, know? it's also, I mean, like the, the, the occasion and the, the, proximity like you know it's all part of the experience too so like i mean i don't like huge oysters but having them you know south of france yeah and you're like drinking rosé yeah man you're like oh man now when you're put in that in the way it should be and you know whether it be eating oysters in the south of france with a glass of rosé local rosé or shotgunning a can of lone star beer in someone's backyard yeah when you're you know, 19 years old and then driving and then driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's like a, it's really, they're, they're exactly the same. We're drinking Kolsch in a backyard. It's you a know? storyboard, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, I mean, I, that's the beauty of, of, of life and consumption. And that's why I'm in this industry. Yeah. I hear you. I'm, you know, like right now we're having a couple, couple of Pacificos with, yep. with lime. Absolutely. And it's really freaking hot outside. It it's sure is. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, what are you, like, so that being said, like, what are some of your, your favorite, like, beer, food, occasion, pairings, um, situational? Right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 
I guess just talking about our bar that we work at, I mean, there's, you know, we have a lot of oysters there. It's an oyster bar in addition to being a neighborhood bar and all that. But uh, in recent memory, uh, I ate, you know, a dozen Fenilla Bay oysters from Nova Scotia and drank a can of Miller Lite. <laughs> and it nothing could have been more perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. But aside from that, I don't know. Uh <laughs> I'm really into sour stuff. It's sort of a, a trend, but I've been into it for a while, and there's a lot of great things coming out these days. But uh, I would say seafood and sour beer is great. Yeah. You know, weren't you saying that like some of these breweries are like having a kind of a hard time keeping up with like sour beers have like blown up? Oh like, yeah, crazy. Well, I mean, so the Westbrook Gosa, which is Gosa, is a an, an old obscure German style of beer from the northwest of Germany from leipzig it's a a soft tart saline uh wheat ale it's brewed with salt and coriander um and westbrook is a brewery in south carolina that was you know the first to put a sour beer in a can essentially and that came to market maybe three four years ago and it's they do not have the capacity to you know distribute it like budweiser that whatever you know that being what everybody wants but yeah you know, we're here at Roberta's, and currently Westbrook goes as a. I mean, they have a they have a limit on accounts buying it. You know, you can only order yeah. or you can only order three cases at a time, and so I'm. You know, Roberta's will sell that in one day, easy. So yeah. it's sort of like that's the trend. You know, there's not enough supply to keep up the demand. Right. What now. do you What do you think happened? Like, because it seemed like it happened like all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, it used to be like you could find Rodenbach Grand Cru uh, at a bar every once in a while, and yeah. now it's like. I mean, it's it's always interesting to me with these things, like just the way that palates change over the years, and like drink trends, food trends. You know, like it, it like well, I mean, it's it's the same thing that happened with rye whiskey. You know, like yeah. almost ten years ago, and now you know now people are starting to catch up. There are so many more distilleries who are making rye whiskey, but for a long time, like getting Rittenhouse rye is kind of like what's going on with. With Westbrook Goza, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, same thing. You know, you're limited on what you could order, and you're very limited on what you could, you could actually get. Yeah, you're lucky if you put it in an order and it showed up. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I would predict that in five years, uh, sour beers will be easily obtainable across the board. And there's, I mean, there's just so well. I mean, well, you know, we live in a bubble in New York City. You know, like, I mean, it, I I think there is a large portion of America that does not understand, does not enjoy sour beer they don't even know it existed um and but that's starting to change i mean craft breweries are on a huge upswing right now uh the craft to you know macro percentage is starting the scales are tipping and uh the next 10 years are going to be very interesting and uh especially the way i mean my mission at myland is and was really like how do i work with beer in a in a a food program and in fine dining and it's something i'm still doing at grand army Mm -hmm. um especially with the pedigree of of food there with our chef uh, john benielli but uh it's things are changing you know we are in our bubble but we're also the people that set the pace for the rest of the world in a way and uh yeah it's an exciting time you know yeah it absolutely is man um you know what i've got I gotta say, let's let's take a quick break, and uh, when we get back, um, especially I want to talk about beer cocktails, yeah. especially 
from where we're both from. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think it's really, there's a really interesting <laughs> progression yeah. coming from that part of the world. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And to, to this point. Let's so, do it. Yeah, cool. We'll be back in just a little bit speaking with Chris Paula of Grand Army Bar in Brooklyn. There, it's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway Butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind. From healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts, it's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy. I'm David Volte, and in the studio today, I've got my buddy Chris Bollett. We've been talking about beer, and uh, at the beginning of the show, you know, I it said, you know, you're from Texas, and I'm from Oklahoma. I remember something. There was some really weird things happening in the late '90s. Um, you know, now nowadays we can get like all these crazy, like really, really creative beer cocktails and cider cocktails, and um, you know, of course, where we're from, uh, chiladas and micheladas yeah. are like, you know, that's like a big deal. But I remember one in the late 90s. Oh, my God. It was called Tequiza. Yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers that. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like basically it was a, like a cerveza that was flavored with like lime and agave. It was. I don't know if it was did like Corona Modelo made it or Budweiser made it. It must. Be, it was. It like, was. Hey, it was. It was the uh, proto Bud Light Lime. I, yeah. I think. I mean, they've got a new product like that now too. Yeah. There's like, strawberryita. Strawberryita. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you know. Strawberry and lime and beer go really well together. Yeah. So, and and you know maybe there's tequila in there too. Sure. But yeah, it's it's make good. a real cocktail. It's not funny. put it in a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> or it, you can bottle it yourself. Maybe. There's been yeah, and there's been so many like uh, like it's a big category now in like the in the sales of like the the beverage world of like ready to drink cocktails. So it's kind of it's like it's kind of a no brainer for you know big brewing companies to get into that. But what you know. Uh, it's really cool to see what's going on, like not only like cocktail bars, but a lot of beer bars doing 
even like really simple beer cocktails like you know Rattlers and, and sure. stuff like that. I mean, it's smart. Awesome. You got you got all these great beers around. Why not play with them a bit? You hey. know, I don't. I think that that whole egg has not been cracked yet, though. No, I mean, especially like we were talking about before the break. You know, all these like different sour beers. They're so so like just like on point for like using in cocktails. And you you brought one from Texas. Yeah, we tried recently the tapache. Oh gosh, yeah. So uh, Argus Cidery in uh, Austin, Texas, makes this delicious pineapple wine. It's basically a cider made from pineapples. It's and it's a tribute to a, a, a different type of beverage from Mexico that's a lightly fermented pineapple juice. But this is a dry, dry pineapple wine that's so redolent of pineapple. And um, I know that Shelton Brothers out of Massachusetts is uh, trying to bring that up here. I'm waiting for the day it's available in New York because, you know, I, as I've been bugging you about it, I think it would be the most amazing thing in cocktails. Oh, man. I would, I would like to just make it. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would but get I, Travis Kaufman to do that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> get Folk Spear to maybe do it. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would rather. I've got too many things on my plate. Right. To no. start making. I don't, we don't have time cider. for. We don't have time for projects. <laughs> yeah. But I also want to support. Uh, you know the people who are making it now because it's yeah. so good and they're, they're nailing it. If yeah, if, if Argus, if you're listening, <laughs> come, come to New York. Please, <laughs> please bring it to New York. <laughs> yeah, but um, I've already got a whole menu written with. with that yeah, pineapple. but um, no, I mean like, so yeah, beer cocktails. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some, there's, it's, it's kind of blowing my mind. And I've, I tried to do research before the show, so I had some sort of historical background. But um, I, you know, just as far as what I know about beer, you know, it's like there are many flavors you cannot derive from anything else mm-hmm. that if put into a cocktail beer can provide. So, I mean, either bitterness, tropical citrus notes from a hoppy beer, uh, Mm -hmm. IPA or pale ale, or, you know, roast coffee, uh, chocolate and all that from a stout. Big ass maltiness. Yeah. Just, and and, yeah, or like, yeah, big chewy, malty Belgian beers, uh, or, you know, tart, saline, barnyard, whatever from, uh, you know, the world of Saison, farmhouse sales and sour beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, basically it's, that's, I, that end I'm very fascinated by. I've, I haven't seen anybody play around with sour beer that much in beer cocktails. Uh, but it also, you know, because it's not very available, <laughs> that's yeah. hard to, you know, institute a bar program with something that's not available. So it's like, well, it's a really cool thing too, because like, to me, well, there's a lot of, like I've worked on, on cocktail programs before, for places that only have they don't have a full liquor license they have like a beer and wine license right. and there's so much it's kind of intimidating because you're like oh man what the hell am i going to do with this but there's so much you can do and it's in bars and bartenders are approving it like all over the world now it's like it's really crazy yeah and and another thing that's really cool about beer cocktails to me is that you know obviously they're a little bit more sessionable mm-hmm. when it comes down to it yep and you can no they're great you i can mean hang out longer. yeah it's like <laughs> amazing ingredient for a long drink mm-hmm. you know i mean why use club soda when you could have beer in there that's that's i have a cocktail called the americano perfecto yeah and instead of being you know sweet vermouth and campari and seltzer it's sweet vermouth Cantar, uh, campari and pilsner yeah and 
Why not? It's, yeah, why wouldn't you just put one with you Americanized? Why not? I mean, that, I know you, you know? like to make drinks as strong as humanly possible, so you, yeah, should, you should always use an alcoholic beverage <laughs> over uh, carbonated water. But Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, things are changing, you know. Yeah. Our friend Maddie Clark is opening a, a bar that's going to focus on beer cocktails yeah. in bed I'm like, I cool. still have not picked his brain, but... He knows much more than I do about that. <laughs> I'll say that. And there, there's, a, there's a history with beer cocktails. I mean, I think mostly out of, uh, you know, lack of supply. I don't know. Just people needed to get drunk, you know, in the 18th century yeah. and got inventive with it. But Yeah, there's things like, you know, certain things like flips and, yeah. and like an ale sangaree is actually one of my favorite drinks. It's it's really it's kind of it's kind of a weird drink. It's just it's and kind of like ale and and a little bit of sugar. Yeah. And just nutmeg on top. It's right. so good. Yeah. So good. I mean those I mean those those ales, those traditional ales, which you can't really get that flavor anymore, but the way beer was made in, in Britain in say the set late seventeenth, early eighteenth century, um, you know, the type of beer that would go in a flip. So a flip being uh it would be like a, a dark ale, what people normally drank, something a relative of the modern porter, uh, rum, some gnarly ass rum. Some really funky and sugar it. and an egg. Yeah. And uh so and served hot for yeah. sailors. <laughs> <laughs> um but those ales, you know, the way beer was made then, uh, you know, malt was it was before kilns, so beers were smoky. Beers were tremendously malty. Uh, fermentation hadn't really been figured out, so potentially sour. Uh, imagine those things with rum, man. Like yeah. it's hard. You, it's really hard to find a beer like that today. Um, there's a style called a Kentucky Common that was a kind of a primordial beer of America, uh, dating back to colonial times. But it was a basically a spontaneously fermented dark beer, relative of an English mild. But it was uh, tart funky dark malty and like some people are making them these days it's not a very popular style but i i it would be so delicious with rum i think yeah oh man here we go we're gonna have to try one after this <laughs> we're gonna have to, have to get some in yeah call in a favor yeah <laughs> bring so, in a case yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean that's i've done i've done like i had another cocktail that was kind of like in a way, some of the, well, it was, it was like port and, and Benedictine and some very aromatic bitters and, and uh, stout. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of times, like, people, like, a lot of times, like, the cocktails I see with beer at, at a lot of bars, it's typically something that's, like, on the lighter to medium side. Right. It's but, always, I mean, a relative of a Shandy. Yeah. Or, you know, the Chevelle cocktail or, mm-hmm. uh, or a Michelada. And, I mean, those, I like those things. Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's just so much out there. Yeah. Know, I mean, said. like there's I the promise of, you know, hoppy beer is so incredible today, you know, and like locally, too. And the flavors people are getting out of these new strains of hops are outrageous. Yeah. You know, just like guava, passion fruit, like so much more than just like pine resin and grapefruit, which is right. like the classic West Coast model of IPA. You know, the things that are coming out today are 
Like the, the the thought of making cocktails out of them is tremendous. Yeah, um, and you've got then you've got all these breweries that are starting to make beer schnapps. I mean, which yeah. which what's your opinion on that? <laughs> eh, you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's very expensive. It so basically, uh, the beer schnapp idea is a beer distillate. So um, you're distilling a beer that's already made. You know, so when you make like a whiskey, you have this mash. That's not that's something nobody would want to drink, but it's uh, you know similar to beer. You know. But uh, yeah, beer distillate. It's you could take any beer. Uh, it's distilled in preferably the most gentle way possible, so you're not disrupt- disrupting the aromatics of it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, Be United, uh, who import like Schneider and uh, Schlinkerla and these sort of you know sort of Id- idiosyncratic but also super classic European beers. Uh, they have had a program of distilling them. And they're really tasty. I mean, you get the essence of the beer, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, a 40 proof or 80 proof uh, liquor. Eau de vie, yeah. Eau de vie, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. They're they're prohibitively expensive. Though. Yeah, you wouldn't want to use it in a cocktail. Yeah, but it's cool. And I'm plus, like, he, I'm so into delicate. it. There's a, there's a local dude, I unfortunately don't know his name, but he uh, he distilled some beers from Other Half. Oh, cool. Um, down from our neck of the woods. And they were so delicious. Like he distilled an imperial stout and an imperial IPA, and it it's sipping on them. You just tasted it. it was like the the spirit, figuratively and metaphorically, of the beer. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Fascinating, cool. but yeah, I wish they were cheaper so you could put them in cocktails. Seriously, uh, or just actually be able to drink them, <laughs> or just drink, just drink them. them. I mean, all. like we can we can drink them, sure, <laughs> on our own time. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, the pricey bottles for sure. Well, my my latest one has been drinking. Allagash White with uh, pineapple juice. Oh, it's that's great! So good, isn't that great? So good. Yeah, I was. I, I'm always turned <laughs> off by people asking for citrus with a wheat beer. That's like just a beer nerd thing. Well, just yeah. like don't destroy the beer, man. Like, but pineapple. There's a. Well, you, so, I yeah, think you yeah. might know the woman who comes in for her happy hour at the bar, but she always orders a Allagash White with a pineapple garnish. Yeah. And I think she just sips it and then just takes a bite of the pineapple. And She's got it all it. figured out, man. It's so cool. I, yeah. I'm like, I really want to talk to her about it because I think it's so cool. It's so great. I mean, pineapple's awesome with anything. So yeah, I no, I know. It's, but but especially with that beer. But uh, yeah, it, um, I, I have no shame in putting that. But, you know, like, well, going back to, you know, the, the wheat beer with fruit in it, like a lemon or an orange. Well, it didn't. Blue Moon did started the whole orange. Thing, yeah, they? they did. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think just like the quality of beer in like the eighties. Um, yeah, you know, like nobody cleaned draft lines right, and it's like you got like a, uh, you know, like a hoe garden, like a crappy, not fresh hoe garden. It's like, yeah, of course you're gonna have some orange or lemon in that. Yeah, but uh, you know, beer should always be consumed fresh and out of clean draft lines, and I think people are starting to understand that, and it's like. If you put a lemon in a beer, it messes everything up. Yeah, it throws yeah. off the whole balance. Yeah. And plus, like, if you're drinking, like, the oldest brewery in the world, Von Stefaner. Yeah. Uh, yeah don't, been, don't mess that up. Yeah, they've been around since 1040. Yeah. And they they were around before citrus made its way uh, into Germany. So <laughs> exactly. they wouldn't have done that anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we're always going to keep advancing and putting things in other things and uh, that's well. It's that's the, just the way it is. It's that's the beauty it, of cocktails. It is right? beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful thing, and it's been a beautiful thing having you on the show today, Chris. Yeah, um, 
Thank you. Look forward to uh, drinking some more Allagash with pineapple juice and uh, maybe shotgun in a Lone Star after this. <laughs> yeah, maybe if they've got them. We'll shotgun something. Right, we'll find something. Yeah. All right. All right, Dave. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check into Heritage Radio Network for many, 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 many more programs just like this one. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, buddy. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.